0: Hello and welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. We believe relationship matters from humanity to nature to the larger whole. I'm your host, Katie Churchman, and this is part two of a three-part series on the team coach approach with team coach and CRR faculty member, Martin Claver. If you haven't listened to part one already, we'd highly recommend checking out part one, defining success before checking out part two developing relationships in this episode we discuss how to develop conscious and intentional relationships with clients across the conversation we cover sharing team coaching not as a product but as a process meeting clients where they are with their language understanding that as a team coach you are a part of the process and co-coaching as an opportunity for modeling teamwork so without further ado, I bring you Martin Claver talking about the Team Coach Approach Part 2, Developing Relationships. Martin, welcome back to the Relationship Matters Podcast.
1: Thank you. And thank you for having me again. Great to be here.
0: Yes. And I'm looking forward to building on our conversation around the Team Coach Approach. And today we're, we're looking at building a relationship with a client. And uh, I wonder if we can start more broadly with this idea of the team coach approach, because I'm imagining that there's not necessarily a blueprint that people are going to get from this conversation or well, these three conversations that they can then just apply to, to their work and their business.
1: No, I think not. I, th- I would love to that people that find like, ooh, they can pick out some things that feels like, ooh, that's helping me in order to get what I want, you know, and be successful as we talked in the first talk. It's like uh, what what fits my success, what fits my company, what fits me. Mm. That would be great. They can get something out of it.
0: I love that. So there's this approach, and then it shows up differently for for you and your life, and what success means and looks like. So in terms of building a relationship with a client, how do you go about doing this with the spirit of the sort of team coach approach that we're talking to?
1: Yeah. There is a difference between the training and the team coaching. So team coaching for me is not really a product. It is more a process that you're selling or you want to sell. But for the process to be successful, you need both parts, you know, the the client and a facilitator. So for me, it's very important that for a client that there is uh, an equal uh, relationship. We need each other to be successful. And it's not something I sell they can use, okay, bye-bye, and and I'm off. So you're really stepping into a process together. And I think that's really good to notice and to be very aware of. So it also means is that you really have to put yourself forward too, in order to, you know, what are you gonna bring? What is important for you to really step into that relationship, that you can be the best part of, uh, the best version of yourself, so to speak.
0: That feels a little edgy and quite exciting as I hear you say that, because I think quite often there's an urge to maybe mold yourself into what the client wants. And what you're saying is actually show up as you are and, and bring a part of that relationship because you're a half of that dynamic. And, it's not just a one-way street
1: no but i I love it people have done the intermediate courses of orsk they uh, remember geography maybe and there was uh, aspects of self Mm -hmm. and they come together and then what we're saying there is keep your essence energy and be open for influence and i think that's also what in the relationship with my clients i want to bring so i really want to keep my essence energy i want to Really bring in what's important for me so I don't lose myself in the process of facilitating or whatever and still be open for influence. Because yes, what you're saying is also true. Mm. You know, you you also want to align with your client. You know, Uh, not everything is really fixed, so you can adjust to the client, but surely there will be boundaries, whether there is like an aspect or knowledge that you can bring or skill that you can bring. Uh, but also like a money-wise could also be like a balance. So be very aware of your boundaries there. I think that would be helpful.
0: That feels much more in the space of interdependence when you say about being open to influence. Mm. I think sometimes that urge to please can um, overtake then our essence energy being important. And we just maybe default to what the client wants. And why do you feel that's a disservice to the relationship? Well, I'm assuming you feel that that's a disservice to this work that we do
1: yeah well i think a uh, relationship is at its best when people know what they want focus on self first but then come together and see uh, what's creating in that third entity and that's the same thing with the client uh, relationship but that's a little bit of different approach normally than we do or also i'm used to when, when i'm selling more trainings then it's more the product mm. it's less me and it's more a product that you do and with this relationship, it's it's a little bit more me. It's a little bit more Martin I bring into that relationship. And from my experience, it's very important to to bring that part to be successful. We, because we also use ourselves as a person in the facilitation, of course. You know, reading the emotional field. It's uh, We know whatever lives in us as a facilitator probably also lives in the system. You know, you can mirror it back. Yes, no. So... Uh, when you start off the relationship already at the start, bringing yourself and design uh, the relationship together with the client with those parts, it's most likely more that you also can bring yourself more into the facilitation. So be in service more of the client and the process that is needed.
0: So you bring more parts of who you are as opposed to the part that you think that will serve them. You're actually just, you'll bring, bringing more of your system to the work. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, because you mentioned the difference between when it's training, you're selling more of a product. When it's coaching, you're selling this process, and then more of you shows up. Is that how you go about explaining ORSC? Because this can be quite complicated. When we're meeting mm-hmm. a client for the first time, and they see some of the the letters after our names, and they ask, what's this ORSCC thing? Where do you go from there?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, that a question that uh, pops up a lot in the classroom with the uh, participants, this one, uh, because ORSK has a lot of different languages to to do. So normally I wouldn't use the words ORSK or uh, use try to use as less words from ORSK, you know, than as possible. I really try to focus on the client and where they are in their process. So why am I here? What do you need? What do you want? And I'd love to start off there if it's possible. Sometimes you have a client that first wants to hear you. And how you work, I find that myself always a little bit more difficult because then I'm always hoping that I will say something that lands with the client and they understand it. So it's constantly checking like, okay, how does this land? How did they understand it? And you get a sense of it, what how it works. And I love to use some examples of my work. Yeah, some uh, some recent examples uh, for what I did and how I work and. There are some words that I use, uh, for example, we also, and you can get it from uh, from like, when you sign into ORSK and you see what ORSK is all about, you can use a lot of words that are described there. It's like, it's very experimental. So I use that word a lot, you know, it's not about a lot of theory and understanding and then hopefully it lands in the team. No, it's more like uh, doing stuff. Yeah, and trying out and see what works and uh, what doesn't work. Something like that. Yeah.
0: Because it is quite a different approach, even if we've got sort of other team coaching approaches under our belt. The ORSK approach is different. Um, So how do you get across some of that uniqueness uh, in terms of the offering that you bring?
1: Yeah, well, in in the first podcast, I said uh, we don't do a lot of marketing. Hmm. It's a lot of uh, hearing from someone else the work that we do. Yeah. Uh, and that is really helpful in this part because they have heard from an experience for someone probably they trust or they, you know, they hear something and they bring that into the conversation with me. So that is more easy, you know, because they come with a, a good experience they heard about, and then we have the conversation. So that is always really helpful. That's also why I love that way of working. Mm. Uh, and when it when you don't have that experience i try to ask what do you have you have experience with coaching or facilitation or training or whatever word that lands with them i sometimes even doesn't use the words coaching or whatever just gonna gonna see if i can help you out with something mm-hmm. or you know i can contribute something something like that words are very it's um and you don't get it right most of the times I, when I use uh, when I say something, I, I really try to look at the, the nonverbal uh, reaction of the clients, mm. whether they can understand it, yes or no. Because sometimes we use words and they, okay, nope, this is not right for this client. You know, it's it's too fussy, it's too coachy, uh, you know? it's uh, they don't understand what we're going to do. So I try to change my language. Mm.
0: That's so interesting. I, I I've thought before about. You're not using so much of the Orsk jargon, as we sometimes say. Distancing myself from the, the title of coach, that feels a little alien. And yet I can see how that could be so helpful with certain clients. You know, Why do we necessarily have to call it coaching? Because it could be called something quite different in a different system yeah and if we meet them where they're at it might be called guide or it might be called being at service
1: <laughs> yeah or even training you know i feel like okay this is really in my perspective this is not training but they call it training okay whatever works for you yeah as long as we do have like the clearance about how we're going to approach this you know and that's and that comes up in the dla with the team so that's also important.
0: I want to look back to something you said early on in this conversation around you're co-creating something together. So talk to me more about how you start to lean into that, that process of co-creation with the client.
1: Yeah, I try to be very explicit about that with the client. So I try to be very explicit that we are not here a consultant or as that says how you should do it. And then you try it out and we see if it works and we change something. So the approach we have is really a fundamental belief that all the dancers are living inside the team and what we're going to do is we're trying to get them out of there in a way you know sometimes it takes a little bit of time sometimes you quite fast feel that you have it yes or no so so that is the the, the first one another one is it takes time you know to to really change behavior in the team so make sure you, you spend some time you know take six to nine months for it. Uh, I don't know how many sessions you will have with B, but for the change, for the focus on this team process, take six to nine months to a year. Take some time for it. You know, don't don't expect it with one session uh, that uh, all the changes are going to happen that you're wishing for. So yeah, stuff like that, I think. And um, but also, it's like we are the experts in the facilitation part. You know what should happen. The content is of you. And therefore, we need to have a relationship in order to make that work together. And then maybe if they are open, or maybe uh, always if we're going to start off, it's like, okay, what is important for you? And maybe that's already a part, sometimes in the selling part, um, we also go a little bit into that. Because you have like, uh, most of the time, you, uh, we speak with the director or uh, a manager or someone who has, uh, has the budget. So we go into that a little bit part. So they understand what, now when they get like an expectation, you know, they know what to expect. But we say also like this is also a conversation we're going to do with the team. Whether that person is in the part of the team, yes or no. And yeah, we do it again because we see, because that's just an approach we also with my company. Really, I love it from Orskis that, that uh, the system is the client. I love that one. We always work from there. So you redo it again sometimes. So you have two DTAs or DLAs in that matter.
0: I love this approach because I think sometimes we're being so at service to our client or clients that we can lose some of ourselves. And in this sort of co-creation, there's a real authority around, you know, we come with these processes, we're the facilitators of those processes and you know your stuff in terms of The work you're doing, the challenges they bring up. And there's a sort of authority on both sides around the value that you bring. And if we're not clear about that upfront, I can see how maybe they'd be looking to to you as the coach for answers, and then you're more in a consulting role or vice versa. So how important upfront to create that, I guess, container for within which then the work can happen and then that co-creation can flourish.
1: Yes. And also this is coming from experience. So it also comes from a lot of experience, but not doing this in the right way or, you know, or just stepping over it a little bit. It's like, okay, because we really want to have that client, for example, and then afterwards, oh, no. And that conversation when you're in the coaching or whatever is so much more difficult uh, than when you can have it at the start. But that comes from experience, I must say. From a lot of failures. <laughs> yeah. We
0: all love a good fail story. I'm curious about a time perhaps where you stepped over it or you didn't spend enough time with the DTA, the DLA, and something showed up which you realized we can't hold that now in this container.
1: Well, for example, is that, yeah, I think what comes up with me was this an example that uh, a manager had different expectations and they thought we were the consultants and we really going to step in and we're going to get whatever uh, in this case she was saying or she wanted you know she had we had a conversation and she shared with us what from her point of view what the the situation was and what uh, what the issue was okay and from our perspective we said okay thank you this is your perspective and maybe we're also curious about the perspective in the teams but we didn't really get into it and we really we overstepped it a little bit Mm. and then after i think three sessions we really felt like okay something really is going wrong here you know you can feel it in the emotional field and uh, we had a conversation and then then a the manager also shared with us Yeah, i had different expectation i told you what the issue was but you don't focus on it you don't go there we're like mm, yes but <laughs> is it also what the team thinks what the issue because she really felt like i'm saying what the issue is and you need to Uh, Fix it. Mm. Yeah, that's what that is. What we learned, and then we feel, we really feel like, okay, now we're in a squeeze. This is not the way we want to work.
0: Yeah, it makes me think that taking that time up front not only creates a container for the work to happen in terms of the team and that psychological safety, but it also gives us a sense of authority, as I mentioned, but also freedom then to do the work that you know we can do in a sort of flexible way. Because once we sort of set our expectations, we've got those boundaries within which then we can do the work. But until we've set those expectations, I guess we're all sort of working out what is what isn't going on.
1: Yeah, and it's true. And also, what comes up with me is that we all have our insecurities Mm. that also pops up. If we're not clear in front, the insecurities have far more impact on the work that we are doing. But what if we could bring in that insecurities in the conversation?
0: Ooh. Say
1: more. Yes. <laughs> you know, so that's, that is important. So one thing that we find, I find important when I work with clients is also that they can see me, they can see Martin. Okay. And not only the role of facilitator. You know, if they if I feel that they're not able to see me or and Martin has no room in it, mm, then it's really difficult for me to, to really be a good facilitator. So... I bring that in in the start, you know, in the conversation. It's also like, uh, yeah, but but uh, it's not only me as a facilitator, but it's also a person, Martin, that brings you in. So I have also some needs, for example. Mm. You know, I can bring it in and have a conversation about it. And, and sometimes you feel like, okay, there's really no space in this conversation for me. Mm. Okay, so and then you have like the decision to make: do I want to proceed? Yes or no? Yeah, and that's a difficult decision. That is. But I know now that from my experiences that, uh, no, this is really important for me, at least to bring that in.
0: Because going back to what you said in our previous conversation around what success means for you, that wouldn't align with your version of success.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Mm,
0: That's really interesting. In terms of being at service for that system as well, if you're not able to bring in your whole self, are you living up to that as well? Probably not. But it's hard to be discerning around that in the moment where we want to get a client and maybe it's it's a big client. I think the urge to compromise oneself would be quite strong, particularly if it's a new business.
1: Yes, of course it would. Yeah. I think also that's okay. And also just to acknowledge that you feel that, you know, that's that's information for yourself. You know what's important for you. And the way that we work with it in our company is uh, not only... We always facilitate with two persons. Okay. That's also what I got from, the, from, from doing ORSC. You know, and there were two facilitators in front of the room. And after my fundamentals, I thought, oh, that's great. Uh, I want also with the teamwork. I also want to work with someone else. Uh, that really helped for me for my insecurities. And, uh, and sometimes I feel difficult to uh, name what I need. But the person that I'm working with, my co-leader, you know, they maybe they can uh, he or she can easily more bring it out into the conversation, and that feels very good. <laughs> I must say because I feel that I need to be looked at by this Martin, but at the same time, because I think also you you pointed at it that is difficult mm. because it is important for me. So with a duo, it's so much more easier because the other person can say it. For example,
0: something quite powerful as well about that modeling of teamwork that then the the system, the team you're working with gets to see as well.
1: Exactly. And that is uh, a lot of, in the conversation that we're having, the clients are saying this, that, mm, oh, great. So uh, what I also feel is like you're modeling what it's about or how it should how it could look like. And we're saying, yeah, well, we're trying to. <laughs> but that is really helpful also.
0: That's such a good point around Going back to what we said at the beginning about how it's difficult to sell ORSK, I guess when you're showing up in that way with your business partner or whoever you're, you're sort of co-leading, co-coaching with, that's in many ways showing them what the work is.
1: Yeah, that's it. Mm. So bringing that energy, death to identity into the conversation, whether you do it explicit or not, it has an impact.
0: What's the impact of bringing the person, you as Martin, as opposed to you... As coach into the coach-client relationship,
1: I think, and it's not only Martin; it's also the third entity and everything that goes with that. It's it's what you are just saying, uh, Katie. It's like it's modeling also for the team. It's modeling the voice of the system. It's modeling that we're in a role and we're more than the role, and the role is more than us. It's it's modeling everything that we are we are being taught in in, in the, the Orsk series. Yeah, and that has an impact. It just has an impact if you do it. You don't have to explain it a lot of times. You know, they just feel the impact. So it creates safety. It creates openness, vulnerability. So it creates a lot of things that, from my point of view, is needed in a lot of teams and organizations. I work a lot with organizations, so I see a lot of that. It's more about the business, you know, what I'm going to do and and the person is missing in the relationship. Mm. Emotions are missing in the relationship. You know, they're not allowed to, we're working here. Leave your emotions at home. You know, that's very black-white saying, but it's sad. So that that brings that. It brings more openness. It brings a great space to be whatever uh, who you are.
0: That's got me really curious because I often talk about task versus relationship-orientated workplaces and how we need a balance. And yet, so often as coaches, we might be meeting those industries with that sort of task-oriented approach on because that's the language they know. Yes. But then we're not showing them a different way. And you're kind of modeling the work and showing them work just by the way you show up with your co-lead or your team.
1: Yes. And that's also why it, there is no no space for, for the relay for our identity or for me, Martin, as a person, that there is no space at all for that. Mm. Okay, so how successful we are we going to be if we we're go to work with them? Mm. Not so much, probably, because I think this is a really important part of the work that we do. Mm. It's also in the in, in Orsk way of style, you know, the different roles that we have and we bring in, and the different perspectives.
0: It makes me think of something Sandra Kane said on another podcast about how the principles are a come-from place. Oh. They're an anchor for us to keep coming back to. And in many ways, your sort of version of success that you've designed for your, yourself as a person, as a business, is your come back to place. And you're always looking through that lens when you're meeting new clients or at least trying to, to see sort of whether this is aligned to, to your, I guess, business purpose, you could say.
1: Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, that's true.
0: Does that give you confidence to go out and do the work when you sort of know you've got that that anchor to come back to and to keep coming back to?
1: Yes, but I need some. Sometimes I need some help to connect with the anchor. Okay. You know, from my experience, sometimes the work always also ask a lot from us as a person. If you, if you bring Martin, you bring fully yourself. It's also uh, exciting, but also uh, sometimes really challenging. Yeah. So so sometimes I need also some help with anchoring. And okay, hmm, now I have to understand what all the feelings and 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 things that are happening coming from. It's not as easy as I'm saying uh, I'm realising now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the beauty of this work. I don't think it ever gets boring because I don't think we ever arrive. Yeah. I had Marita in a conversation the other day talking about reflective practice and how she recently went through a systemic supervision herself. Yeah, I like the fact you say I need help to come back to the anchors because it's not like we're always anchored to the harbor.
1: Not, something will pull not, us away. At least I'm, I'm not <laughs>
0: I think that's being human.
1: yes and that is also a nice uh, if you can bring that into the coaching too you know not everything has to be great from this. Day. yeah uh, and yet we still have to do you know if everything goes wrong, hmm okay, wait maybe that's something else, but you know you can be vulnerable also as a facilitator.
0: Well, thank you for being vulnerable in this conversation and for co-creating this podcast with me. And I look forward to continuing on with the conversation next week when we talk about integration and landing the learnings for our clients.
1: Yeah. Looking forward to it too.
0: Thank you to Martin for that interesting discussion around developing client relationships. Here are my key takeaways. When working with clients, it's important we meet them where they are at, this includes using their language. Sometimes coaching jargon can get in the way of us really meeting a system where it's at. When building relationships with clients, it's important not to leave yourself out in service of the client. We serve the client by bringing more of who we are and revealing what we sense in the emotional field you are being at service not just as a team coach, but by showing up as a human being. When co-coaching, we have an opportunity to model relationship systems intelligence. You don't necessarily have to explain it. However, teams will feel the impact and it creates safety, vulnerability, openness that allows for a different kind of conversation. One that values relationship and balances it with the tasks that need to happen. Thank you for listening to the Relationship Matters podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues and friends so that we can continue to spread these ideas across the globe. And if you haven't already, do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. And for more information on the ORS courses, please visit crrglobal.com. For over 20 years, CRR Global has accompanied leaders, teams and practitioners on their journey to stronger relationships by focusing on the relationship itself, not only the individuals occupying it. This leads to a community of change makers around the world. Supported by a global network of faculty and partners, we connect, inspire, and equip change agents to shift systems one relationship at a time. We believe relationship matters, from humanity to nature to the larger whole.